I felt for the first time that I was a child of God, that I had been created and there was no mistake, there was no error, and that God knew my soul and he, like, there was a reason for this and I should honor and accept myself and just check in and say, you know what, God, this is me, like, no masks, no, not hiding anything. Like, what do you want me to do with who I am? What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband-in-Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband-in-Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. All right. We are excited to have you all here this week. We have a very special guest today, and I am super excited to have Charlie Bird here with us. Charlie is an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and is also openly gay. And we are going to have him share some of his story with us today. I also should say he has his own podcast called Questions from the Closet, and he will tell us more about that. And he also has a book. Is your book out or is it coming out. It comes out on July 27th. Okay. I thought it was... It's still in the closet. It's still in the closet. It's still in the closet, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was soon. I, I was thinking it was for pre-sale now, and so it will be coming out soon. And you will be able to... We'll have the links in our show notes so you guys can go figure out where to follow Charlie and pick up his book and go check out his podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be on. We're excited to have you. <laughs> I'm I'm a little relieved to hear that your book is not out yet because I was thinking, gosh, I really should have read his book before this interview. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't tell. No, I don't have to feel guilty about it. <laughs> All right. So, Charlie, to start off, we would love to have you just tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm Charlie Bird. Most people know me because I was Cosmo the Cougar at Brigham Young University from 2016 to 2018. And I feel kind of awkward talking about it. I- I'd rather have somebody else introduced me because they're always like, he was the viral Cosmo, the dance for the cigarettes. I was all over ESPN. And I'm just kind of like, uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it, it just feels weird for me saying that. But but yes, I, I was the dancer in Cosmo That's with pretty the rad. hip movements and body rolls. Guilty. Um, <laughs> like you said, for the past year, I've been working on this book. It's called Without the Mask. It's being published through Deseret Book, which I'm very excited about. And yeah, I do my... Co- um, my podcast with with my friend Ben Chalati, who is also um, kind of BYU related. He's an administrator there, and we just answer questions, uh, like common questions from closeted individuals, mostly for like an LDS audience, but just like anything, it can be generalized. Yeah. Well, and I love listening to it and just that you guys tackle one question at a time and share your opinions on it. I think that's awesome. Very yeah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And you on a personal level, what's your, what's your upbringing? What's your background? Yeah, I grew up in Missouri in a really small town it's called Willard. There's about 3,000 people, or at least there was. It's kind of growing a little bit now. Two four-way stops and one stoplight. Yeah, uh, so really close to my, my parents got divorced when I was 14. Oh. And so that's just something, I guess, that people here find interesting. Divorced parents, <laughs> or at least Explain in Utah. so much. And... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kind of like you guys, divorced. Yes. <laughs> Been there, done that. But yeah, I yeah, grew up in a small town, was really involved in the community. Lots of, you know, like 
honor society, sports, cross country, just regular small town stuff, four wheelers, hang out at the river. Then went on a mission, um, California Redlands mission when I was 19. That was, that was before the age change. And uh, loved it, came back, went back to BYU and became Cosmo. So Nice. How does one become Cosmo? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. The, the reason I even knew about tryouts was because I was in the Wilk um, getting j- just some, some lunch. And I saw a little flyer that said, can you do flips? Can you dance? Try out to be Cosmo. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And I looked at the date and it was like in three hours. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I'm going to go. Meant so to I be. just went, so I just went to try out. So yeah, I just kind of stumbled into it accidentally. I was like, I can do flips. I can dance. That is awesome. Then, yeah, so whoever worded that sign, it was like they, they worded it just for me. So you've graduated. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, what- I graduated two years ago. I moved to New York city um, and was working there for a security firm for a little bit. And then I just kind of, things kept pulling me back to Utah. And now since the book is coming out, I just decided to come back. And uh, so right now I'm, I'm back in Provo and I'm starting a master's program in the fall back at BYU for a master's of social work. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Ultimately, what do you want to do with that? I want to become a licensed clinical therapist so I can just kind of work with my own demographic. And at least with my experience, it was really hard for me to find um, resources and therapists that were both like gay affirming and faith affirming. Um, it's still kind of like an ambiguous space. It's just starting to get tapped into. And I just kind of want to be able to give back in that space. Yeah. Got it. That's awesome. Tell us about your book. My book is My Pride and Joy. I'm holding a copy of it right now. So awesome. Um, it's essentially, b- before I started writing, I c- wrote a letter to the reader. I wanted to kind of like base myself in and what I was going to include and just kind of like have something to ground myself. I was always figuring out what to write and which stories to tell. So I wrote this letter um, to the future reader, which essentially I I explained, like I wanted to write the book that I didn't have when I was growing up. And so I kind of like looked at myself, took a cross section of myself at different ages. And I was like, I'm going to write the book I needed at 14 when I was dealing with these issues Mm -hmm. and at 18 and at 21 and at 24 and kind of, you know, there's there's no really guidebook or manual, and this isn't it for like a general public, but for me, this is everything I wish I would have known. And then I took it a step further, and I was like, on top of that, I want to write a book that, that would help my family, right? Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is that me being gay affects my family, you know, like socially, culturally, just in, in our relationships. Um, it was something that we all kind of had to go through together. And I wanted to be able to give families resources and kind of empower people and get them comfortable with the subject. So if their son or daughter comes out in the future, they'll have a better idea of how to react and you know what to say and what not to say. And so, yeah, so I just kind of started and writing it was really, really cool because I was able to go back and kind of be introspective and retrospective mm-hmm. about my experiences. And it was really cool that as I was writing and thinking of things, common themes kept coming up and I was able to kind of weave them through and, uh, Honestly, it, it was a really, it was a real blessing because it kind of helped ground me because, you know, like, like being gay and being a member of the church is so weird. Like it's <laughs> so gray. And every time people are like, so what are your, what does your future look like? And I'm like, I have no idea. I really don't. And that used to kind of stress me out because like, I don't know, like, like what, what is next year really going to look like? I have no idea, but it was cool to see like the path I've been on 
and kind of put stock and faith in that like I can keep on that same trajectory, you know, like having an open communication with God and keeping strong relationships with my friends and family and um, like empowering myself mentally and emotionally and being honest. So it just kind of gave me faith that like whatever happens in the future, I'll be on a good path, even though I might not know right now what that's going to look like. That's awesome. So how did your family take it when you came out as gay? Like, when did you come out? How was that process for you? Yeah. So the first person I came out to was my cousin. And this would have been, I think it was November 2016. And I thought about coming out to her for about six months before. And I would like try, I'd start to, but I just couldn't do it. And, and why, why your cousin? She just seemed safe. She just had this energy that I knew I could come to, you know? And also she was the first one who really like point blank. I I don't want to say she asked me, but she could tell something was up. I was being distant and kind of like closing myself off to a lot of people. And we were talking, having a deep conversation up in the mountains one night. And she kind of called me out. She was like, Hey, I I don't know what's going on in your life, but I really wish you would tell me because like, I love you and I want to support you and I want to be there. And I'm pretty sure she did know what was going on. (laughs) And, you know, this was the first time I'd ever really told anybody. So I, I started freaking out and was hyperventilating and losing control of my emotions and didn't really know what to do. And I just came out in a series of sobs. <laughs> and back then, I, I still didn't use the words, I'm gay. That made me very uncomfortable. So I just told her that I was, I was attracted to men. I didn't know what to do, you know. And she said, I love you. And she just listened. And I, I just like unloaded 10 years worth of everything on her and she just listened for like four hours and that's what I needed I needed someone to listen you know and she gave me love and support and was basically like you know what I am with you I'm going to support you and and like have your back no matter what you choose and like we can get through this together like lean on me for support if you ever need a place to sort out your thoughts or feelings or beliefs or just rant or vent or anything you can come to me and, and I'm safe and so that was kind of like my first indication that people could be accepting. Yeah. Because, um, you know, before, the, the, the reason you, I wasn't coming out is because I just figured it'd be rejection, you know, because I'd seen so much in my community and I'd felt so much and kind of projected, you know. I think when, when I was in the closet, I was projecting a lot of rejection based out of like paranoia or fear. And that didn't happen. So that kind of like kickstarted me coming out to other family members. Yeah. That's awesome. Kudos to your cousin. Yeah. Um, Kudos to your cousin for being open and willing to listen. And yeah. Yeah. You know, the women in my life are incredible. Shortly after that, I told both of my older sisters and I was very prayerful about the way I came out. I realized that like, this is an important, special, deep thing. And I was like, you know, I've always had faith. It's important to me. I I trust God. And I was like, I'm going to ask God who to tell and when. And so for me, I say that my coming out, experiences were kind of like how I feel in church when the spirit prompts me to bear my testimony. Yeah. It's like, you have something you need to say and it's scary and it feels terrible and it like wrenches your gut, but you need to say it. And I was really grateful that God kind of like gave me that nudge. The first sister I told, she said, I'll be whatever you need me to be. <laughs> like you, you, you tell me how to react and that's what I'm going to do. And that was awesome. And then my second sister, I told her and she cried and I was like, oh no, she's crying because I'm gay, you know? <laughs> and I was like, and, and it turns out she was just crying because she loved me so much. Yeah. And she was like, I can't believe you ever thought that, that I wouldn't be there for you. 
you know? And so, um, yeah, the, like I have strong, powerful women in my life who, who took my shame and just loved me and, and, and like just took it on themselves and like d- destroyed it, disseminated all of my shame and, and gave me places where I could be myself knowing that I would be loved unconditionally. That's awesome. Let's talk about the men that were close in your life. I was well, going to ask the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have two, my two, I have two chapters in my book um, that are like stories. Ooh, can I tell you a little about how I organized the book real quick? Yes. Like, take a short yeah. uh, detour. So I, this was, you know, if I'm going to toot my own horn, this was one of my most brilliant ideas. <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to figure out how I could like say what I needed to say, but yeah. also get people to feel what I, what, what I have felt. And I realized that most people who become more understanding and educated about LGBTQ issues, it's from a personal experience. And so I really wanted readers to be able to have a personal experience and grow to love an LGBTQ individual. And so I decided to just tell like really deep, vulnerable, like gut wrenching stories in like a memoir style. So half the chapters, it it alternates. So all the odd chapters are just, it's just a story. And it also is kind of playing to my strengths because I'm a better descriptive writer and and I really like that, you know? And it allowed me to like, I don't know, I I just love, I love reading these stories because I, I did my best to capture like these tumultuous but sacred and important moments in my life. And so two of those chapters are coming out to my little brother and coming out to my dad. And they're very dramatic and intense, but but really cool. And then all the even chapters are kind of built more like a self-help or almost like a, a general conference type thing where I pull in scriptures and quotes and are more of like a teaching yeah. um, aspect. And it was cool too, because I really liked that I was able to decide like, what am I going to say point blank that I think readers need to like hear in a, in a more like blunt way? And what am I going to show? What am I going to let the readers feel? Yeah. And so... Anyway, I'm just, I'm just really excited for people to read it. <laughs> that um, is so awesome. But yeah, so the men in my life, there, I, there's one chapter I come out to my little brother and I was so scared to tell him because for me, telling a, telling a man was so much scarier because in my mind, like women can, can understand being attracted to men. They're not disgusted by it. Like at least there's at least some sort of like familiarity there. Yeah. But telling a guy is so different and and, you know, there's always like, I don't know, it's just, it's just much scarier. And uh, we were hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. We were in Tanzania and me and my brother had kind of like pulled ahead on the trail. We were just moving out with our backpacks and we're really competitive with each other. And so we were just like, he's going fast. So I'm going faster, you know, and we moved ahead of, of the rest of my family. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, like, being in nature makes me really introspective. And I was just looking at the trees and, and I was kind of stressed out because I still wasn't out and I'd wanted to tell him for a while, but I just didn't know how. And I ended up just like breathing really heavy because, you know, it's that coming out feeling. It's the spirit that was just like, tell him now you have to. And I was like, (gasps) (laughs) and he's like, he's like, Hey, like, are you okay? Like we can take a break. And I was like, it's not the mountain. <laughs> like, like, and, like he was like honestly getting concerned because I was like about to pass out, you know, and I was like, no, no, it's not the mountain. And so I, I just told him, I was like, Sam, I'm gay. And he was like, what? 
<laughs> and I was like, I, I'm gay, Sam. I'm attracted to guys. I'm, I'm not attracted to girls. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> and, I love that question. And it it kind of like, to, to, so to my, it was, it's, it's kind of funny. Cause like my cousin and my sisters were all like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and, and my brother, and my brother was like, uh, like he, he just never really thought about it before. And, uh, so for like a minute or two minutes, he was just like crunching his brain, like processing, trying to figure out how to react. And I was like, Oh snap, maybe I shouldn't have told him, like, maybe this was wrong. And then he just goes, you know what? I love you. You're my brother. I don't care. And I don't even care what you do because I trust you and I'm going to support you. Like I've always looked up to you and I know that you are, you are able to like do hard things and make good decisions. And so just like, I'm going to have your back, you know? And that was really cool. That is like, cool. Uh, it, it was like a, almost a delayed reaction because he needed more time to process, but he came to the same conclusion in a very like, I'm going to fight for you and I trust for you, I trust you way. I wish there was a way um, that we could hear that two minute thought process in Sam's head. <laughs> From, yeah. wait, you're what? To, I love you and I trust you and I don't care what you do. Like, do what you're going to do. That's cool that it, well, in two minutes he I'm got sure to that, that point. His thought process was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was along the lines of like, he loves Taylor Swift and he loves cheerleading. So like, I should have seen this coming. <laughs> also, he's been dating girls and he talks about girls with me, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um right and and then my dad ended up having like a similar maybe a little bit more dramatic reaction um he thought i was joking at the beginning like <laughs> wanted to make sure that i was being serious because it had kind of never really occurred to him that that gay could like be so close. hit so close to home yeah. you know like the like raised in his roof all those years you know but uh he ended up doing the same thing and my dad just had a lot of questions and was like really remorseful for the way that he had been like overtly homophobic in the past and and saw how that had affected me and it was really really hard for him to come to that realization that that he had just been ignorant to to my situation and to just like the issue as a whole for so many years but it kind of put us on like a a two-year path of us just actually becoming close and and sharing ourselves with each other and asking questions and and teaching each other and that was really beautiful that's awesome hey charlie i hope that you realize that uh your brother sam and your dad are now going to have to write a book of their own (laughs) (laughs) you set the stage (laughs) because i I would love for them to (laughs) because well and that's another thing that was really cool about my family's response um they've all been really flexible with what i've needed from them and I've tried to do my best to communicate that to them too. So like I said at the beginning, I just needed people to listen. I did not yeah. want advice. I did not want people to try to fix me. And I'd been working through things for a really long time alone. And I just need the I just needed like a, a sounding board, like someone to listen. No, not a sounding board, someone to listen. Yeah. And then that kind of evolved into, you know, they kind of like educate themselves and get to like the level where I'm operating. And then I needed some advice, you know? And then that now that's an an evolved into me like pretty much asking them to be public you know I've, I've made their stories very public or at least i will on the 27th when this book drops <laughs> um and so now I've, i'm kind of asking them to be in this position of advocacy and being willing to have conversations for me and teach you know other brothers or other dads or moms or sisters how to respond and they've been really gracious and just willing to, to do that so 
That's awesome. they're amazing. I love my family. <laughs> That's good. It's so awesome that you have a support system, man. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think about the cool thing about that is that they that you tried to communicate to them what it was you needed and they were open to hearing that because I think that's often where the disconnect comes and where it's hard when you come out to your family is that they want to help, but they don't know how to do it. And sometimes you don't know how to communicate what you need. And so it, it kind of muddies the waters for a bit until you can figure that out. So that's pretty awesome. You guys got there relatively quickly. Yeah, that's a really great point. I watched people coming out for probably about, for like a long time, I was just watching people. Like I, w- I was like a creepy internet stalker for a while. I would uh. just like watch gay people and read blogs and see what people did. And I kind of try to keep a mental list of like what people did that I thought was like healthy and what I maybe should try to avoid doing. Yeah. You know, because this is, and, and I'm not going to say anyone comes out the wrong way, but I just wanted to do it the best I could for my family. And I watched, I've seen a lot of people. I, I mean, there's so many emotions and it, it's just, just so confusing and complex. And it, I, and I felt this in me too, that I just wanted to just like unload and expect everyone to just like catch that and put it in a perfect little box. Yeah. And I, I tried to be really conscious of the fact that I'd been working through this for years and I'm coming to somebody who's at like ground zero and I can't just expect, like, you have to give patience and, and time and extend a lot of grace to your family. Yep. And it, it's hard to do. And I've had to check myself a lot. And even sometimes still, I, I you know, I just check myself. They, they um, didn't have sure the time that... to do all the research that you did. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so I think, and that's advice I give to people who are, you know, I get a lot of messages like, I don't know how to come out to my parents. What should I do? I'm like, you know, just be honest. But also like be patient with them because because this is new for them too and and you can't just you know like throw something on them and expect them to catch it the way you want you know yeah. you kind of have to guide them and help and and that's okay. Well, and I think that's something Steve and I really relate to. I mean, I didn't come out obviously, but when we divorced, I mean, everybody's asking you know we have to give them a reason of why all of a sudden we're splitting because we were happy together, but like we had to take time to catch our families up through this whole process we went to because went through because Steve, I knew he was gay six months into our marriage and we got divorced seven years later. And so I had all of this time to process and to work through it and to to be okay and understand that this was probably a realistic option in our life that he was going to leave me. And so I felt like there was a like during the divorce when I you would expect people to be helping me, I felt like I was helping them work through and process all of this stuff we had already dealt with. You you had to really be there for people for your divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like what you're saying is you do have to give people some patience of, okay, they haven't dealt with this for as long. Yes, it feels like I should be the one who's getting help and support. But really, sometimes you have to let that go and and help other people get to where you're at. Help other people to understand you and where you are and how to help you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about your coming out experience as it as it pertains to your church? How did that go? What did that um, look like? Yeah, so I I started coming out to people my senior year at BYU. I came out to some administrators because I um had a couple experiences on campus where I overheard conversations that were just repulsive to me um in the way that people were treating like LGBTQ individuals and issues, you know, and it, one conversation in particular 
I was in the locker room after doing a Cosmo event and I heard the team uh, just like bashing gay people and saying like using some really harsh language. And, uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm confident now, you know, because <laughs> like back in the past that would have like really hurt me and damaged me and pushed me further into the closet. But I was like, this is not okay. Like this is not, I, I should never have to sit through this and neither should anybody else, you know? Yeah. And so I ended up um, scheduling an, a meeting with the athletic director and talked to her the next day. And by either coincidence or divine intervention, you decide she was actually um, in charge of NCAA's common ground and was assigned by the university to like do advocacy work for and like build bridges between the LGBTQ students and like other like students and faculty. So she put me on this working group as like the athletics representative for the the gay community on campus. And so my coming out was like a slow unfolding, right? Mm-hmm. So I was out to her and then I was out to other administrators and then I was out to this group. And um, it was always in a, a pretty safe space, you know, because I knew we were working on advocacy. So it like wasn't a big deal if I was gay because like that's why they wanted me there. Um, so it kind of got me practiced in, in being around like either like BYU people or church people um, and just being comfortable with who I was. And then and then I moved to New York City right after graduating and everyone's gay there. <laughs> so, like, so I just, I went to, um, I went to my bishop, like, you know, the bishop interviews new people. I was like, hey, I just moved here. I'm gay. I'm not like out publicly, but I'm out to everyone that I care about and I'm going to be out in the ward. And he was like, cool. Like, we're happy to have you. And so everyone in my ward knew I was gay. And um, that ward was awesome. beautiful because... I had a friend who was dating this guy and they would come every week and they were just, it just wasn't a big deal at all. Like we were just all there to um, try to get closer to Christ. And, and, and that was really nice. So I love this. I'm actually, I've been, I've been so lucky. Like, honestly, I'm just lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I feel like that's a pretty rare response from a bishop of cool. Welcome to the ward. That would not be the case for a lot of bishops, I feel like. Well, a lot of them just don't, they haven't had experience with it. And people are scared to come out and tell them that they're gay. And so I think that's so awesome that you have had this experience and that you're sharing it because we hear about all the experiences of, oh, the bishop said this and it was so damaging or, oh, my priesthood leaders or, oh, somebody in the ward, you know, all of these detrimental experiences. And it's, it's nice to hear that there are those good experiences where people are loving and accepting as we should be. Like that's, that's what it comes down to is we we are created with a purpose in mind and perfectly. And therefore, we need to love and accept people for who they are because they were created this way for a reason. If at any point in your, or unless you have a comment to that, I was going to ask another question. But, um, is there, at any point during your coming out experience, did you leave the church, consider leaving the church? What were your thoughts about how do I reconcile being gay and accepting that about myself with my church beliefs? Yeah, um, my relationship with the church has evolved a lot over time. And, you know, I, I would never say I've, I wouldn't say I've never had a bad experience with the church leader because I definitely have. Yeah. Um, those just like, I mean, those those are those are a dime a dozen kind of. So I just don't talk about those as much. <laughs> um, but uh, but honestly, a, a lot of my like bad experiences with the church were very personal and like self-inflicted. So when I first started realizing I was like had was experiencing feelings of same-sex attraction as a 14-year-old, I was like, ah, just kind of freaked out and and just started trying to change myself, right? 
And I would um, do like, like fasting and prayer and psychological exercises and like conversion therapy tactics, never imposed by someone else. Always like, I'm a very, uh, what do you call it when you're like internally, like internal locus of control. I was like, I have this problem that I myself am going to fix. Yeah. And so a, a lot of my like pain or like negative experience with church comes from like me seeking it out. And that's kind of weird, but like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, like I, I have a whole chapter that I wrote about like coming to be able to like be at peace with like past quotes and teachings from church leaders from like the sixties and seventies, things that I was reading and like honestly believing that were just really damaging and distanced me from God. Yeah. And then I don't know. I've, I feel like I've tried everything I could to, to not be gay. Like I, I looked at all the options. And none of it ever worked. And I ended up uh, in Washington, D.C. my junior year of, of my undergrad on an internship. And I'd always avoided gay people at all costs. Like, like to me, like gay was Satan. And I was like, if I even like start coming into this realm, it's going to like catch up to me. And all the work I've done for the past 10 years of trying to run away will just be like, I gone. relate to that on so many levels. <laughs> Oh, I, th- I'm like, there was literally no one more homophobic than me. I, I was possibly I was me. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. no, I, like, like the most homophobic are the gays because we're trying to run away. You know, uh-huh. uh, I had a friend. Who so came it doesn't out in suck us in. <laughs> yeah. My friend came out in high school. I cut him off completely. I was just like, no, gone. And I was like, oh, looking back, I'm like, oh, Charlie, you poor boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, But in D.C., I was. Um, surrounded by gay people, like colleagues at work, gay. My my boss was gay and I had gay floor mates in this like student dorm that I was staying in. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's gays everywhere. And it was Pride Month. And I was like thrown into this and I was like, these people aren't bad. You know, I was like, these are like really nice people who are talented and fashionable and like, <laughs> like <laughs> and I was like, so they must they're be like good. me. You know, I was like, I'm talented and fashionable. <laughs> um, but but I was like, is it are gay people really that bad? And, and am I one of them? And it, it was really weird for me. It's like rocking my world. I ended up fi- finding a group um, on Facebook of members of the church who were going to march in the pride parade. And I was shocked. I'm completely floored. I was like, this is candid camera. This is a joke. And I'm going to show up to this. And they're going to be like, gotcha. <laughs> um, and I don't know where I summoned this bravery because I was still really closeted, but I ended up going and saying the words I'm gay out loud for the first time ever when they asked me, like, they were like, hey, like, who are you? What are you doing here? And I was like, I'm Mormon. Freak out, freak out, freak out, freak out. And I'm gay. And I was like expecting the world to implode. And they were like, <laughs> the guy was like, cool, me too. So are all of us. Like, duh, why like, else would you be here? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I had this really beautiful day and it was a really spiritual experience. And I learned a lot and like was, was communicating with people who shared like similar backgrounds and experiences. And I was really confused at the end of that day. I was like, this is so confusing because this thing that I've told myself for my whole life is like sick and gross and wrong actually was really helpful. And these people were, were wonderful. Um, so I'm sitting on the steps of the, the U.S. Capitol watching the sunset and like watching the pride parade like disseminate. And I was just, I started praying and I was like, God, like, 
what is this? You know, like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Like, what's right? And I realized in that moment, I, th- I thought of, and, and I mean, this sounds so, this sounds so churchy because it is, I immediately, what came to my mind was that scripture in James 1, 5, that is like the scripture for our religion, which says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, the gift to all liberally and upbraideth not. I realized in that moment that I had never like actually sought God's wisdom, right? I'd always like read pamphlets or quotes or like just self-inflicted other people's values or ideas. And I was like, I've never prayed about this because the only prayer I'd ever offered was please make me straight. Please make me straight. I'll do anything. Make me straight. And I was like, I've never like asked if I should accept myself. I've never asked if I should honor who I am. I've never asked if this was really part of me or if God wanted it to be part of me, or if there was like an intention or a reason behind this. And I was like, I don't know if I can ask that. <laughs> like it, it was so, it seems so like radical. And I mean, the thought had never come to my mind, but, but I, I really believe it was placed there. So I ended up um, a couple of weeks later, I just prepared and I, I, I wanted to like feel as spiritual and like sanctified as possible because I wanted to make sure whatever answer I got was like the right one, you know, <laughs> and I wouldn't have any like, so I went to the temple a, a few weeks later and and said that prayer. And it was um, without a doubt, the most spiritual experience of my life. And, and I felt for the first time that I was a child of God, that I had been created and there was no mistake. There was no error. And that God knew my soul. And he like, there was a reason for this and I should honor and accept myself and just check in and say, you know what, God, here, this is me, like no masks, no, not hiding anything. Like, what do you want me to do with who I am? And so ever since then, that's the approach I've been taking. And I realized that that was a very long explanation to answer your question of like, how, how has my relationship with the church been? But ever since then, I've just been like, I'm just going to ask God where I need to be, what space I need to sit in. And that's what I'm going to act on. And that's what I'm going to do. And um, I just felt like God called me to sit in this space right now. So that's where I am. That's amazing. Well, and what I love about that is I think that is a common experience to so many people who aren't gay, that we have taken these things that we've heard and we've inflicted them upon ourselves and created all the shame around who we are and how we should show up to life. And then we want to, at some point, blame other people for the fact that we feel all the shame when really we've taken it upon ourselves. And really what we need to do is do exactly what you did and say, hey, who do you want me to be? Where am I supposed to go? And just love and accept ourselves because that's what he wants for us. Just as that's what I want for my daughter. And, you know, the people in my life is I want them to love and accept themselves for who they are and what they feel called to do in life. That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes I get a little bit of pushback for like still being like active and like, like active in the church and openly gay, like that's still like a weird space. And I understand that it's it's not a space that everyone can sit in. Yeah. But the more I thought about it for me personally, like if I reject part of my identity, like the fact that I'm gay, like, I mean, I did that for years and I was depressed and anxious and afraid and scared and it was terrible. I cannot reject that. In order to be at peace, I must accept and honor that. And then on the other side, if I reject my faith and my belief set, I'm also not really me. Like they're both like so intertwined in me that I I just kind of got to the, the point where I was like, you know what? Both of these are so important to me 
and I don't really care if people say that they're not compatible. Like for me, they are because both of them are compatible in me, you know, but both of these wholly exist in me at the same time. So maybe I can do it. You know, maybe I can just like carve out the path that I need and not really care what anybody else thinks or what anybody else does. We were just talking before this and I wrote down, I am bold enough to handle other people's opinions, which is that same idea, right? Like you confident enough to accept what other people think and realize it doesn't affect who you are, doesn't matter, doesn't impact who you're going to show up as, right? Absolutely. I, so why you look at me like, I'm like did I say that right? Like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I need your opinion. <laughs> he, he's bold enough to handle our opinions. <laughs> I just want to say one thing, like the biggest. So you hit me really hard, Charlie, with I felt so strongly of the spirit when you were saying you came to realize when you had that prayer in the temple that you were a child of God, like that hit me hard. Like, and I had, I had some tears well up in my, in my eyes and I'm not a crier. I try not to be, but sometimes I am. That hit me hard. And I have this feeling that I just need to let you know that we love you. <laughs> Heck yeah. And cause we do, I, I, I love you because you truly have, felt that spirit that you are a child of God and um, every single person on this earth is. And no, I, I commend you for what you're doing and the work that you're doing because it's extremely hard and you've, you've worked through some extremely hard things. So yeah. Thanks. And I don't tell it, people it, I love them a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen to our last... To like the last two episodes yeah. of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. That means a lot. And you know, I've, I've kind of, I think people live most powerfully when they live according to their values. And kind of understanding that has helped me on, on two sides. Because a, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to live according to my values and not care what anybody else thinks. That's cool. But it's also helped me be okay with letting other people live according to their values. Somehow, like in our culture, there's so much judgment. And I'm like, Ugh, like, why are we judging each other so much? Like honoring agency is so beautiful and so divine. And so if somebody else is living their life according to their values and it takes them on a different path as me, I, I just hope they're happy. Like I, I honestly hope they find happiness and, and grace and peace. And like, I'm your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. And I, I wish, and I'm really glad that like being in this weird space well, it's a space that like a lot of times people think I judge other people that aren't in this space. And I'm like, no, like I want everyone to sincerely like follow what is best for them and be happy. And I mean, the, the first gift God gave us was agency. And so I, I believe we should extend that to everyone else as well. Well, and I think that's one of the things we're trying to spread too is, you know, this this relationship right here between Matt and I and Steve honestly shouldn't work from what other people think and what their opinions are, but we don't judge each other. Like this is our path. This is where we are. And so it, it does work. And it's, it's because we're bold enough to handle people's opinions. <laughs> Matt looked down on Jessica's paper while he said that. <laughs> but I've written down here, but it's true is that I feel like we live in this space too, where people often are, 
they judge us for it in weird ways. And I'm like, why do you care? Like, this is our life and we're happy that you're living your life. And, and why is it so hard to understand that we support each other in yeah. living the life that we each think is right? Right. Yeah. It's not what we planned. It's not what we like thought we were getting into, but it doesn't matter. It works for us. So that's awesome. I mean, we've hit time, but if you have another burning question, I want you to ask it. I always end the interviews too soon and the guys get mad at me. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to a two-hour interview. Yeah, you got to keep them. Yeah, there is a time limit. We're good. Yeah. They said we're good. Well, I really appreciate you being here and being in this space and living authentic to who you are and this path for you. And I love seeing the different types of lives people are living. I, it's just exciting to me to watch people own who they are. And yeah, thanks there's, for sharing it with us there's today. There's so many people who need to listen to you and your story. Yeah. So thank you for what you do. Tell thank us, you. Tell us the name of your book so people can get it when it my, comes out. Yeah, yeah. My book's called Without the Mask. You can get it on DesiretBook.com or it's on Amazon. Hopefully you'll just easily be able to find it. Um, it's also, I was kind of like, ooh, I definitely named this before there was a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> that was my We're next question. Wear masks. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> And Oops, um, it may help you sell more books. It's an intriguing title hopefully. in the middle of a pandemic that requires the world to wear masks. <laughs> and then exactly. you can also yeah. find him on his podcast at Questions from the Closet, as well yeah. as Instagram. I know you are on Instagram under Mr. Charlie Bird. Um, I am Mr. Charlie Bird. <laughs> and anywhere <laughs> else that we need to be aware of that they can, our listeners can find you. I think that's pretty much it for now. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. And we'll thank have links. You, thank to you so much for having me on. I've loved this conversation. Yeah. And I think all of you are great. Oh, thanks. We think thank so you. too. <laughs> 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 I really need to stop making that joke when people say that in interviews. It's gotten old. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to it. Well, thanks for being here. We really have enjoyed talking to you. And yeah. we encourage our listeners to go find more of you on whatever platform they choose. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, thanks, thank Charlie. You. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband-in-Law. All right, now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.